real glad to see that we can comfortably uh, get through the Word of God today. Or actually, maybe knowing what's coming up, maybe for some of you uncomfortably get through the Word of God. Uh, some challenging things today, so let's do this. Let's get Bibles into everybody's hands. If you don't have one, then put your hand up nice and high. The fellows in the back will bring one to you. Those of you that have them as they are being passed out, 2 Timothy chapter 2 is where we are. Continuing to make our way through Paul's letter to his uh, friend and son in the faith, Timothy. All right, let's pray. Father, as we uh, open your word, we just are reminded that you have called us and invited us to love you, which I I don't know any other uh, God who is worshipped. We know that there are are no other gods, but we don't know any other worship form where their God invites to be loved and to love like we have with you, Lord. Certainly no other religious form that deals with a suffering Savior who laid his life down for his friends, endured uh, terrible, um, heinous crimes against himself, brutality for the sake of his followers. So Lord, you've called us to love you with our hearts, and we want to. You've called us to love us, love you with our souls, and with our strength, and Lord, even with our mind. And so this morning, Lord, I pray that you just clear up our minds, help us to focus our minds, help us to be attentive to what you, the God of the universe, desire to communicate to us your creation this morning. We sit here once again with mouths open saying, Lord, feed us. We are hungry. Speak. Your servants listen. We thank you for all of those that have come before us and that have endured and have lived and have died and have worshipped and have cried and have laughed and have fellowshiped and gathered in all situations all around this globe as part of the worldwide body of Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you for it and for calling us to it in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. I've been tending to the last few weeks start out with a question, and I guess that seems to be uh, a little trend I've developed. So I'll start again with a question this morning. How important is who you associate with? How important is it as you decide in your life who you're going to associate with? Is that a pretty important thing? The friends you hang out with, the group that you run with, the people that you associate with? Is that important in your life or not? Yes, it's very important. Uh, and sometimes it can be life or death important. And the reason I share that is because of a story of a woman named Michelle. Uh, some of you know I, I like to read. When I read, I read biographies. I don't, I'm not a big fan of fiction. I like nonfiction. It's just the way I'm wired. And when I watch a program on TV well, or Netflix or wherever else I might, I, I typically stay away from you know, dramas and sitcoms and all that stuff. I like the real life stuff. And so I watch, tend to watch documentaries if I'm going to watch something. And uh, in a documentary, I heard the story of this girl named Michelle, again, age 26. Uh, She was a bit of a party girl. I liked to go out and 
have some drinks and have a good time and would encourage others to do the same thing. And this one night she found herself at a party and uh, two guys invited her to hop in the car and go down to the gas station, get some more to drink. And so they did. What she didn't know is that one of them had a gun and killed the uh, owner or the, 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 the attendant at the gas station. Uh, they got back in the car and she had stayed in the car the whole time. Well, uh, as it were, they were caught. And she ended up with a charge of second-degree murder and a life sentence just for being in the car while two men that she really didn't know that well uh, carried out a crime. But because she was associated with them, because she was in the car, she was charged and and is serving currently a life sentence. So who we associate with can be a very important matter, can it? And we parents, we say that to our kids all the time. Be careful who you hang out with because they're going to influence your life. They're going to, to involve you in things and it's easy to be influenced that way. And so as we come to 2 Timothy uh, chapter 2, this is what Paul has been trying to, to tell this young Timothy. His last words encouraging him, exhorting him not to fall away, not to be ashamed, not to give up. Paul's voice, many of you know, is about to be silenced by execution as he sits in a Roman prison, uh, actually a dungeon. The only entrance to the cell where he was was from above ground or from the ground level, a hole. And you would drop a rope down or they would throw you in there. And that's where he was in the dungeon. And so in this opportunity to write, uh, he writes to Timothy to encourage this young man about his association with Christ. So we read last week about the fact that being a Christian, being involved in ministry is is much like being a soldier in that a soldier, not just any kind of soldier, but a good soldier who is focused. A good soldier is a soldier who is focused. He's not distracted by all of the things that uh, the civilian gets to be involved with. The soldier has a purpose, has a goal, has a plan. He's got to carry out orders. And so sometimes being a Christian is like being a soldier. You know, you've got your marching orders from the Lord and you've got to carry those out and you may not have time to get involved in some of the the things that your friends are doing or other people are involved in because you've got orders to carry out. It's also like being an athlete. And the athlete has to compete according to the rules. There's no shortcuts in ministry. You can't get there quickly. You've got to endure some things. You've got to get to the gym. You've got to pump the iron. You've got to get onto the track. And you've got to run the laps. And there's no quick way. Because some people, we want it fast. We want the shortcut. We want to take the Christian pill and, and be all that we can be. And folks, in the Christian life, there's no shortcut to actually getting into fellowship and getting into the Word and, and hanging in there in the ministry you're called to. So, you know, and, and again, nowadays, it's, it's the, we want this fast cut to glory. You know, if someone else is doing it, well, maybe I can just imitate them and, and do it and, and get, get glory now. But if you don't go to the gym, if you don't pump the weights, uh, you won't get the glory. You won't, you won't finish the race. So it's sort of like being an athlete. You, you have to compete according to the rules. and There's no shortcuts. And finally, Paul said it was like being a farmer. What kind of farmer? A hardworking farmer. That's what ministry is like. Ministry is like being a hardworking farmer. I remember when Warren and I had been going down to uh, into Columbia and just doing some Bible studies down there at Barbara Carter's house and was visiting people. And I remember when that ministry first started, 
Warren and a, and a small team and myself sitting in the basement there at Common Ground deciding that God was calling us to endure in this for at least three years and then we would see. We wouldn't even assess the success of the ministry after, until three years was up. Even if, if he was the only person there after three years, we'd have to go, okay, Lord, is this still what you want us to do? Because sometimes you plant seeds in ministry and they don't grow right away, right? It takes time. And so the hardworking farmer keeps putting out the seed, keeps putting out the seed, keeps weeding. And then, if he's diligent to do that, eventually there will come fruit. Similar conversation with uh, Rob Ford. Rob just started recently, uh, took over the ministry to men, for men up at the coffee shop at Cup of Joe. He, uh, we, uh, there's a Thursday night little gathering of guys. And I remember when he took it on, there's only like three of us that would gather up there. And I, I had taken on another responsibility, had to step out of that. And Rob said he was willing to take it over. And I said, are you sure? I said, are you committed? Yeah, I'm committed. I said, now what that means is that means that for a year, you might be the only person sitting in this coffee shop, faithfully doing what God called you to do. Are you okay with that? Yeah, I'm okay with that. Now God has brought some other men to meet with him, so he didn't have to do that. But the point being is that a farmer has to sit and endure and work even without any fruit at that time in faith that if he continues the hard work and continues to labor in the field, that eventually he'll bear fruit. And that's what the Word of God promises, right? So we've had those examples, and in verse 7 of chapter 2, Paul said to Timothy, Consider what I say, and may the Lord give you understanding in all things. And then he says, verse 8, Remember, Timothy, that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead according to my gospel, for which I suffer trouble as an evildoer, even to the point of chains. But the word of God is not chained. We've got the soldier, the athlete, and the farmer. And Timothy, I want to add one more thing to that list. It's the Savior. It's the Savior. He says, Timothy, think about these things. The farmer, you know, the soldier, the athlete. But then I want you also to remember Jesus. Remember all the things that he endured? He was the Savior. He says, remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David. When you read about Jesus being of the seed of David, it speaks of a few things. Number one, he was human. He had a human birth. He, had, he had, was born of Mary and Joseph. Really just Mary. Uh, Joseph was his earthly father. But he had an earthly uh, birth. But yet, he was, uh, and he was connected to the line of David. Who was David? Do you remember who David was? Like the quintessential king of Israel. And from him, God said, there would be an everlasting kingdom. And so Jesus was also royalty. Now, we don't think of royalty suffering. When you hear the word royalty, you don't usually connect that with suffering and hardship, do you? But see, Jesus was of the seed of David that connected him to being, and they understood this, the Messiah, the Savior. See, he was of the seed of David. He was raised from the dead. Now, how many of you understand that you can't be raised from the dead unless you're what? Dead. That's pretty obvious, right? You know, so somehow this royal prince, the Messiah, became dead. And we, under, we, we know how that happened. We've read about the cross. But he didn't stay dead, did he? You see, after suffering all that, after going through that hardship, after enduring uh, that, the, the acts of sinners against him, 
Then he rose from the dead. And let me tell you, it's the same for you, folks. It's the same for Because if you want easy Christianity, you can have it. You can have the easy way. You can, you can do just the minimum. You can never... You can, you can avoid pain. You can avoid suffering. You can, you can get out of that relationship. You can, you know, get out of that ministry. If it gets too hard, you can do that. But I'll tell you what. Oftentimes, when I'm trying to find my way someplace, you ever get lost? Now, we, we have GPS, so I don't have a GPS. But so for those of us that don't have GPS, you know, you get directions from somebody, and they're kind of, you're not sure about the directions, and it's always right before you find the place that you're nervous that you're lost. That's for me. It always seems that when I'm on my way, I'm like, oh, it says here, and oh, it seems like I've been going too long on this road, and it's always like, just before I turn around, it's like, oh, there it is. And I was almost ready to turn around. And I never would have found it. And the thing of it is, is the place where you're just about to turn around. That's oftentimes, because you feel like you're, it's dead. It's, there, there's no hope here. It's hopeless. It's right after that that you find new life. It's right after that in your life, right after the time when you finally lay it down, when you finally surrender, when you finally give it up. That's when you find, when you're dead. When you say, I'm, I'm dead, I'm tired of this, I'm dead to my, I can't live that life anymore. Boom. That's when the new, that's when resurrection happens. But you, ha- you can't still be kicking. You can't still have a little bit of life left in you. You can't still be sort of holding on just to a little bit of the old self. It's all or nothing. And so when you finally lay it down, you will understand, just as Paul has been saying, that it's after that hardship, it's after enduring that difficult time. Look, getting free of drug addiction is hard. Getting free of alcoholism is hard. You've got to endure some pain. This is why a lot of people don't get free. Because it's hard. You go through DTs when you're coming off of that, when you've been an alcoholic, you know, you, you go through all this difficulty, this pain. But then there's freedom. And a lot of people don't want to endure the pain to finally get to the freedom. It's true, isn't it? But it's there. And if only people would dig in and get it, get it straight. And the Lord is there to meet you. Because he was raised from the dead, according to Paul says, according to my gospel. Now, we know it's not his gospel. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. But it's the gospel he preaches. This is the go- he doesn't preach a gospel of, of the golden road in terms of life here on earth. He doesn't preach the gospel of, of easy prosperity, does he? Is that the gospel Paul is preaching right now? He's preaching a gospel of enduring through some hardships for the sake of Christ. Now, this is not necessarily the American gospel, is it? The American gospel is God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. That's the American gospel. Oh, really? Oh, well, I, there's some things I've always wanted. You know, I wanted a pool and I really like a bigger house and a nicer car. God loves me and has a wonderful plan for my life. No, that's not what we're talking about. God's plan for your life is freedom and salvation and peace. But that's not always how people hear that. So Paul says, he was raised from the dead, all that he went through, and he was raised from the dead according to my gospel. Now, there were, there were some other gospels that denied resurrection. There were some other gospels that said, well, resurrection isn't literal. It's really a figurative thing. It's just a spiritual resurrection. And we would agree with that. But 
It's also a literal resurrection. Easter's coming up. We're going to talk more about that. Well, Paul, why, why, are you, why are you suffering? Why are you in the prison that you're in? Well, it's this gospel for which I suffer trouble as a criminal or an evildoer. That's why I'm in prison. That's why I'm going through what I'm going through because of this gospel that I preach. Even, I've done it even to the point of chains. So they've got me bound up here. I'm chained up. But he says, this is beautiful. This is an underlining kind of verse. But the word of God is not chained. You can put the man in prison, but you can't stop the word. The, word, the Bible is the best-selling book in the history of the world. I was reading an article uh, just last night. Uh, 660 million pieces of gospel literature go out yearly. Six hundred and six. That's full Bibles. That's partial uh, books of the Bible. That's parts of books of the Bible. Six hundred and sixty million pieces of literature. People have tried to kill Christians to silence the message. People have tried to burn Bibles, make it illegal. All of these things. Has it ever worked? Do you know what people have suffered to make sure you can have the Word of God? That you go. I don't know if I feel like reading it today. Do you know how many people have given their lives to get a copy of what you have four or five or six of around the house? And the fact is that the gospel is the message. Faith comes by hearing. Hearing the word of God. And, and, it's a, and so it can go out. Even if they put me or you in jail, and you can still, you can, then you've got a prison ministry. Praise the Lord. Because you can still talk to people. And that's what Paul is trying to do. Timothy, I'm telling you, I'm giving you this message. Then you take it to other people. And then they'll take it to other people. And no one can stop it. No one can stop it. Mankind has never succeeded in silencing the word of God. And aren't you thankful for it? Because has or has not the word of God, when you heard it, changed your life. Has mine. And, and so, and Paul, it changed his life too. And so look what he says next. He says, the word is not chained. Therefore, I endure all things for the sake of the elect, that they also may obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. How many things do you do in your life that are mostly for your sake? I do this for my sake. I do this because I get something out of it. I tell this story oftentimes about a good friend of mine. He was an older gentleman who was uh, in the same profession that I was in uh, a number of years ago. Uh, he was the best in this profession in the area. Matter of fact, he was known worldwide for his skills. And we would get together and have meetings of other guys and myself that were uh, all working as uh, farriers or horseshoers. That's what I did for a living. And we would have clinics where we would get together and and share skills and talk about what we've learned and how to do different things uh, on the horses. And, and this guy would always come. He didn't have to be there. He could have taught us everything. He, he knew more than all of us put together. He didn't have to come for himself, but he came. It always impressed me. He always came. He came to be an encouragement to others. He came to contribute what he could contribute. He didn't come and steal the spotlight. He just silently came 
to, as an encourager to all of us younger guys that were involved. He didn't have to be there. He had other things he could do and other places he could be. Certainly wasn't for his benefit in that way. But he went anyway. And so often we, we think, oh, church, you know, I, I don't go to that church because I don't get anything out of it. Maybe we're asking the wrong question. You see, Paul says there's some things that I, that I do in my life and a lot of things he did in his life. Let me just read you a little list. He says, therefore, I endure all things. What things did Paul endure? I mean, really? Well, he says, uh, I am uh, in labors more abundant, in stripes, meaning having been whipped above measure, in prisons more frequently. What a resume. In deaths often. From the Jews, five times I received 40 stripes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. And he doesn't mean the smoking way. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I have been in the deep. In journeys, often, in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils of the Gentiles, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and toil, in sleeplessness often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness. Besides the other things, what comes upon me daily, my deep concern for all the churches. You think Paul can say confidently, I endured all things for the sake of who? Himself? As a matter of fact, Paul in Philippians even says, you know what? It's better for me you know, to live as Christ and to die as gain. Paul was looking forward to finishing his race on this earth. He was ready to close his eyes and go be with Christ. That's what he wanted. He looked forward to that. We avoid it. We try not to. But uh, he wanted to. He was ready. But he said, you know what? But it's better for you if I remain. Paul said, I'll hold off on heaven a little while because it's better for you if I, I still got work to do here. So my question to you all this morning is for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of other people, how much is there in your life? Or is mostly the way you think or is mostly what you do for your sake, what you're going to get out of it? When's the last time you did something purely for someone else, something that you would have no advantage of or something that did not benefit you at all? Paul said it was, it was his whole life for the sake of who? The elect. For the sake of, because out there, when you go through these doors, out there, and maybe even in here this morning, there are people that God has invited to be saved. And yet, God has called us to tell people about Jesus so that then they can actually be saved because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. How will they know if no one tells them? Because he says, the sake of the elect, those that have been chosen, those that have been elected to be believers, that they also may obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus. That's why Paul says, I do what I do for the sake of the message, for the sake of other people's, what? Eternal glory. That's why we give up what we give up. That's why we lay down what we lay down. That's why we, that's what drives, it's one of the things that drives us. Not just, you think Paul could have said, well, for the sake of God, for the sake of my sense of duty, for the sake of my honor. But he says, for the sake of your salvation, this is why I do it. And some of you know exactly what I'm talking about and some of you have no idea because you've never actually laid down, you've never inconvenienced yourself for the sake of, 
If you lead someone else to salvation, anybody ever, don't raise your hand, don't raise your hand. But if you've ever led someone else to the Lord, if you've ever had an opportunity to talk to someone, you know, you're, you're running late and, and this conversation starts and you're going to be late for your meeting or you're going to be late for that thing, but you know you've got to finish it. And you're able to tell a person about Jesus and it's so glorious. It's so awesome to minister to a person's spirit and know that you have just impacted their life and generations to come. Because if they get saved and their life transforms, guess what that's going to mean for their kids? Now you have affected generations for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I applaud those of you that have fostered and adopted and ministered in those ways by opening your homes and changing generations to come by opening up your heart, opening up your mouth, opening up your home maybe to share the gospel. Not just in word, but here's, here's how it looks. Paul says, therefore I endure rather than run from all things for the sake of the elect that they also may obtain salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Now, verse 11, and it's a little bit shorter sermon today uh, because we have communion. And as we've been talking about being associated with Christ and what that means or being associated with anybody and what that, the impact that has, this next section is about being associated with him. And it's written, in, maybe in your Bibles have it sort of indented a little bit. And what that indicates that this was probably an excerpt from an early Christian hymn or creed. And many believe that this was probably what they sang when people were being baptized. So it's a little baptismal hymn that Paul quotes. And he says, first, this is a faithful saying. You can trust this. You can bank on it. You can, you can take it and, and put it in your wallet and know that it's good. It's a faithful saying. And he says, for if we died with him, we shall also live with him. If we endure, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful. He cannot deny himself. So that's the whole thing. But what exactly does that mean? Well, he says this is a faithful saying. If we died with him, and that's the only one uh, that's actually in the sort of the past tense, means that that's a reality that has happened. For if we died with him, we shall also live with him. Paul's not saying that if we give our lives for the sake of the gospel, if we die, future tense. Like maybe, you know, six years from now, you'll be in a place where someone, you know, is telling you to renounce your faith at, at gunpoint and, and you could lose your life. And that's not what Paul's saying here. Paul's saying is if we died with him, if we were joined together in his crucifixion, how is that? By faith. Read Romans chapter 6. When you turn away from your old life, when we baptize, and, and think about this, because in July we'll baptize again, and God is beginning to, to gather up a crop, a harvest for this next baptism. What are you saying when you get baptized? You are identifying yourself with Christ. Like the day I stood before a, a congregation much like you all with my wife. And we stood there and we exchanged our vows and we identified ourselves as being joined to one another publicly. And so here, if, if we, when we get baptized, it's like the public proclamation that I am now identifying myself with Christ. When they put you in the water, 
That's your burial. Who's being buried? The old man. You guys know Pastor Steve, the new man. You don't know Pastor Steve, the old man. And that's why I don't have a Facebook page. So none of my old friends can get on there and talk about Steve, the old man. Because he died. The day I was baptized, that guy died. The Bible says if any man is in Christ, he's a new creation. I got a fresh start. Praise God. I got all those old things. They, they're, they, they passed away. They got buried in the water. But then I didn't stay in the water. Also, praise the Lord, I can't hold my breath that long anyway. But up you come out of the water. See, we died with him. It's the representation of dying. We're baptized into his death. He died, we died, but Jesus didn't stay dead, did he? So that means when you come up, guess what you get? You get a new life. You get to walk in newness of life. And the only reason is that true is, is that's true is because Christ did it first. You see, if we died with him, we shall also live with him. You can't have the living with him unless you died with him. You see the difference? Some of you just want to live with him. But you never want to die with him. You don't want to get you want to hang on to just some of that old life. Get rid of it. Nobody likes it anyway. It's get rid of it. It's all bad. That which is connected to the flesh is can't be spiritual. It's you need everything has to start new and anything that's of the flesh begins with you. Anything that's of the spirit begins with God. Everything in your life life now has to start with God. So if we die with him, we shall also live with him. If we endure, and if we endure suffering, we shall also reign with him. So what happens if we don't endure? We don't reign with him. You see, James and John wanted to reign with him, didn't they? Their mom came, hey, how about my boys, Jesus? They're good boys. How about giving them these seats on your, next to your throne there, one at your right hand, one at your left, when you come into glory, when you're, when you're reigning eternally, when you come into the kingdom. And they thought, certainly earthly as well, they said, hey, that's a, I'm not sure you know what you're asking for. You want to reign with me? You're going to also have to suffer with me, is basically what he insinuates. Now, how many of you guys in here, maybe ladies guys, like to watch football? Some of you? Yeah. And you've got a team, no doubt, right? And when that team wins, you say, we won, right? Because you've identified yourself. That always cracks me up. You, you know, I, I love you football fans out there. But you didn't make a single tackle. You sat in the living room eating potato chips and drinking soda or maybe something else you shouldn't have been drinking and watching that game. And, you, and, you, and when they score a touchdown, you jump up and it's like you scored it. But they don't invite you to the parade when they win, do they? Any of you ride on the victory parade this last, the last Super Bowl? Anybody in that? Any of you guys who... I'm, I'm, look, I've got to admit something. I've just got to lay it down right now. I don't, we don't have a television. I don't, we don't have cable, so I don't watch football. And I'm ashamed, I'm ashamed to say that, but I'm not ashamed to say that. It's true. I don't watch. So I, who won the last Super Bowl? I forget. Ravens. Okay. So those of you in here that were Ravens fans or that are Ravens fans... And when they won, you just went nuts, like, "Woo, that's my team, that's my team. We won, we won, we did it. We just scored, you call up your friend on the phone. Now, now, we just scored a touchdown, you know, the, who, the 49ers is who they played, right? So you call up your buddy who's a 49ers fan, you tell him how we just scored a touchdown. But I don't think any of you got to ride on the float, did you? When, when they actually had the parade for the Ravens. Why? 
because you didn't go to any of the practices. You didn't make any tackles. You didn't go to the meetings. You didn't memorize the playbook. You didn't get catch any passes. So when it comes to the victory, you also don't get to ride on the float. I'm sorry <laughs> to tell you that. But do you see what, what, Jesus, or what Paul is saying to Timothy? If we endure suffering, then we'll reign with him. You can't just show up for the party. Now he also says, if we deny him, he will also deny us. Now there's a number of ways you can deny him. Deny just means literally to disavow. Uh, Peter just obviously outwardly denied Christ. Do you remember that? You know, I, I swear I never knew the man during when Jesus was being crucified. I, I never knew him. I, I, so he denied him verbally, just out and out denied him. Uh, but sometimes you can deny him by Uh, refusing maybe to be baptized. Saying, you know, I don't want to be identified with him. I always tell people, imagine if, uh, you know, when my wife and I were just just started dating, we get engaged and, you know, then she, if we've been engaged a year, two years, now this is a false story. This is not true, okay? Uh, But imagine we went, our engagement went for a couple years and she began to say, well, are we ever going to get married? Yeah, yeah, well, we'll get married sometime. Well, can can we plan the wedding? Well, I've got to be honest with you. You know, I, I love you and all, but I just don't want people to know about us. You know, you understand, right? I, just, I don't want to be identified with you. I mean, we'll just keep it between me and you, right? I mean, I love you and all, but let's just not make it public. How do you think, what kind of response would I get to that? I think I'd be getting some rings back, don't you? See, if, you, if, if you're identifying with him, then he says, let people know. Otherwise, really, you're denying him. So if you've been saved or you, you've, you've decided you wanted to, the newness of life and the freedom from sin, then God calls you to be baptized as a public confession of your faith and of your identity with Christ. Or even on a Sunday to come forward and say, hey, we're so ashamed, aren't we? I, I'd love to go forward. Sometimes I've heard many of you say, you know, oh, my heart was thumping when you gave the invitation and I really wanted to go forward, but... I was too scared of what people would think. So maybe it's, sometimes it's by our actions. In Titus, Paul says, there are those that uh, confess him. I'll read this to you, Titus 1.16. They profess to know God, but in works they deny him. So you can deny him also in works. What are works? The things you do. You can say, I'm a Christian. You can have the bumper stickers, the t-shirts, and the Bible, and then live in a way that's completely opposite of his character. And that's also another way to deny him. So if, if we deny him, he says he'll deny us. No, I, I, I never knew him. He says he knew me, but we, we never really talked. We never really had a, a relationship. And then finally, and if I, I could um, ask the folks that are going to serve communion to ready themselves. I know this is going to cause a little disruption, but... Folks that are going to serve communion, if you could make your way to the back there and just be ready. Um, but please try to keep paying attention here. Timothy, uh, if we are faithless, he remains faithful. He cannot deny himself. A friend of mine who's here today gave me a book a few uh, months ago uh, called things, Can- things God Cannot Do. You know, there are some things God cannot do. One of those things is he can't lie. He, he can't lie. He can't learn. You know, God can't learn. 
He knows everything. How can, you, how can someone who knows everything learn anything? Because they already knew everything. He also can't change. It's impossible. He can't change. And he cannot be untrue to himself. He cannot deny himself. You see, we can be untrue to who we are. We can kind of be like salamanders, can't we? We can be one way today, another way tomorrow. If I'm hanging with this crowd, I'm sort of like this. But if I'm at church, I'm like that. And we can sort of, we can be faithless. We can play the both sides of the court. And it's really, if we are faithless, really means if we are unbelieving, if we are without faith or without belief. And this is why Paul is writing, because some people are falling away. But even if we do, the Bible says he remains faithful. Because he can't, he can't deny himself. He can't ever be anything than what he is. Now, I want to I finish up with this thought. Uh, how many of you have seen the, uh, the marshmallow experiment? You know what I'm talking about? The marshmallow experiment? It was an experiment about delayed gratification. Do you know what delayed gratification is? Shake your head. Show me you're still awake. Okay, delayed gratification is where you put off uh, some kind of benefit now. You actually endure a little bit of suffering now for something that you'll get later. Maybe if you're lousy at saving money, then you've got a problem with delayed gratification. If you're lousy at making plans uh, that, that involve some denial now for a benefit later, like saving for vacation or something like that, maybe you've... So they do this marshmallow experiment where they have these kids and they, they bring this uh, uh, a tester into the room. They put a marshmallow in front of the kids. And they say, you can have this marshmallow now. One of those great big campfire marshmallows. You can have this marshmallow now or if you wait, I'll come back in a little while and I'll bring you two marshmallows. Man, that's just cruel, isn't it? That is cruel. So they, sit, they videotape these kids. They sit them with the marshmallow on the plate. While, the, while then the, the tester leaves the room and they videotape the kids. And the kids are like, some of them just eat it, you know. But others are like, one kid's kind of like licking it, you know. <laughs> Anything he can. One, one kid's like turning away, he can't look at it. And it's really funny to watch. And then, so some of them ate it, some of them didn't. Well, they did a follow-up experiment that I hadn't heard about until I read about it last night. What they did in the follow-up experiment is they, um, they created an unreliable uh, circumstance. An unreliable situation so they came in with a box of crayons a little broken box of crayons and said you can have these crayons right now or if you wait i'll come back i'll bring you a box a new box of bigger crayons and so they did the same kind of experiment then they left the room and the kids waited and then they came back and said you know what i couldn't find the crayons we don't have them sorry and then they did it again with the same kids said okay tell you what here instead we'll give you this little sticker and if you, if you don't peel it off and, and use it, we'll come back and we'll bring a bigger sticker. And so they left and they came back and said, ah, oh, sorry, we, we couldn't find the big stickers. And then they brought the marshmallow out. Said, now here's the marshmallow. If you don't eat it, we'll be back. Two marshmallows. Guess what they did? They ate that thing. They ate that thing. Why? What was the difference? They, because they weren't able to trust the one that was making the promises. And so they didn't delay their gratification for some future benefit. They said, no way, I got schnookered twice. No way am I going to, I'm eating this thing while I got the chance. 
And so what they did is they realized that the ability to delay gratification is very much connected maybe to the way you grew up. Maybe if you had a lot of people in your life that told you lies or didn't follow through on promises, that now in your life, you you say, I want what's right now. And the problem is now you sit here in church and and we're going to begin passing out communion in a few minutes and and God is inviting you uh, you into something that involves eternal glory. But it, it also involves a little suffering right now. Not nearly compared to the eternal glory. But if you have difficulty with delayed gratification, if you want everything now because maybe you grew up that way, you didn't trust, and if you don't trust the Lord, look, here's the reality. People that trust the Lord suffer now because they believe wholeheartedly in what the Word of God says, that there's eternal glory. And the demonstration of that belief is your willingness to, to give up some things here in this world, to give up some happiness or give up some earthly materialism or something, anything, your, your own plans to lay that down because we believe, Christian, we believe that there is something so much better on the other side and that if, that if what I have here can't even compare to what I can have there, if I'm willing to walk with the, my suffering Savior because if He died and I died and He lives, then I'll live. And if I endure with him, because he endured a lot of suffering, didn't he? And if I join myself to him in that, if I'm not ashamed of him or not scared of that, if I'm willing to do that, then I also believe that I'll reign with him there. Now, how does that look? I have no idea. But I trust him and I know that uh, the truth of these things doesn't hinge on my believing it or not. So you can choose to say, I don't believe that. That's okay, you can choose that. You can choose to say, I'd rather have now. Okay, you can. But that doesn't change the fact that Jesus is who he said he is. He did what he said he did, and he cannot deny himself. The truth isn't based on your belief. So if we can have the folks come forward and begin to pass out communion, and Phil, I guess uh, you can come up. As they're passing out the communion elements... This is what we're talking about. We're talking about identifying ourselves with Christ. The blood and the body, these elements that we share, are a symbol of our union with Him, right? That we're one with Him. And that's one with Him in all of Him, every aspect. So as they come around, if you don't, if you're not a believer, if you've never actually joined yourself to Christ in your heart or by faith, then you probably wouldn't want to partake of this. Because this is what it's symbolizing, this identity with Christ. Everything that He has, we have. Everything that He is, we are. Just like that first illustration, that girl, all that she was guilty of was being in the car. And we're in Christ so you can let that you can let it pass by or you can take it and accept God's invitation to you personally to join him in all of eternity what did the bible say in eternal glory
Father, I pray that as the community elements come around, that there are those that are weighing in the scales what has been said today. Thinking through what might be worth hanging on to in this life. Or letting it go. Just to take a hand, uh, Jesus' hand and let him lead us wherever he may. Because we trust that on the other side of death is life. Father, I pray that there would be some life or death decisions made here today. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.